The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Holly, usually 99.9% of the time, you have friends, they want to come on. We, and this is part of the reason why we, we do the, uh, the Why Me Project. Yeah, Holly and friends. Oh, and sometimes Johnny. And sometimes Johnny. <laughs> um, with that being said, I get, because we're on radio and, you know, we get all these interviews or we get all these messages and emails and that as they're saying like the next up and coming artist or the artist that you need to hear from. Yeah. And on this list was somebody by the name of Abby Grimaldi. And I thought to myself, that name sounds familiar. I wonder, the only other Grimaldi that I know is a hockey player named Rocco. I said, I wonder if they're related somehow, some mm-hmm. way. I do a deep dive and find out that, yes, that is the case. Now, how they are and all that other stuff, we will figure this out. We will find out. Perhaps yes. Abby will become my new best friend, <laughs> and she may become friends with you in the future, Holly. But to <laughs> Abby Grimaldi, how are you? Hi, I'm so excited to make some new friends. <laughs> Yay, it's like kindergarten. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, you say that. Give us five minutes. You may change your mind, but if not, then, you know, at least 25 minutes and we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Thank you for the warning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, the first question we ask, and it's our skill testing question, the hardest question that you will receive, and that is, Abby, who are you and where did you come from? My name is Abby Grimaldi. I am from Grand Forks, North Dakota which I would call the Canadian equivalent would be Winnipeg, Manitoba. I know that's where you guys are more in. And I grew up in a family of accountants. My parents are both CPAs and they can really rock a pantsuit. And um, (laughs) (laughs) my parents actually met at University of North Dakota. Both were accounting majors and started a family. So I have one older sister. Her name is Lexi. And then I grew up by the name of Abby Matson. I have a really amazing extended family. I had like a true Midwest upbringing. Probably the two main things I will say that were important in my childhood was being at church a lot. Like Wednesdays, Sundays, doing a lot of volunteer work. My mom stayed home with us and was really active at our church. And then music. My mom is actually tone deaf, but my dad is quite the guitarist (laughs) and come from a long line on both sides of the family, really emphasis in music. And I guess kind of a joke, but kind of serious. The third thing that was really emphasized in my family was that we were math lovers and I was Mm. definitely an athlete, (laughs) (laughs) but that was our upbringing. And I grew up with an emphasis in those things. Christianity really became my own. When I was a ninth grader, I volunteered at a local Bible camp the summer after my ninth grade year. And after a long time of feeling like I obviously knew God and God felt like he was always with me and mattered to me. It finally became something that was very real to me just through being a part of this really positive community, studying the Bible and all of that. I actually did not sing until I was around that time. I was very weird about it. I don't really know why. I played piano. I danced. I played violin. I was very serious about all those music dance things. I was like very into that stuff, but I was not going to sing until I volunteered at this camp. I started doing worship and that's kind of the background of Christianity and music for me, which fast forwards to today, I am doing Christian music. What was it that made you decide to be a part of the worship team if that was something you didn't really want to do? I always wanted to, that's the thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, always, <you> did. <laughs> like, I always thought I was a good singer. Um, I knew that I had like a nice voice and my mom actually forced me to be in all sorts of choirs as a kid. 
we were recently talking about this and she was kind of like, you know, it was really me behind it all along. It's like, oh, mom. <laughs> but I remember there was, okay, there was church choir and there were school choirs and there was also this community choir. It was really a competitive, like children auditioned for it, local oh, wow. choir type system. And my mom bribed me with a Subway sandwich in the fourth grade to audition <laughs> for this choir. Mom. And it was a very <laughs> funny story. And I actually ended up making like the more advanced choir, even though I was like the youngest age group. So I always was kind of like, you know, maybe I am pretty good, but I didn't know. And then I just, I don't know. I had an older sister that was a great singer. She was much more like tender and sensitive and, and girly than I was. I was actually a bit of a tomboy as a kid. And so for me, it was like, everyone would always cry in the family when she would sing and she'd sing these tender songs. And I just like, I had a hard time putting myself in that vulnerable place. Like it just seemed really uncomfortable playing piano in front of my whole school, all about it was really into acting, really into dance, loved being on stage, but singing for me, I just wasn't going to do it. And so when I worked at this camp, my family wasn't there Hmm. and Hmm. no one that I really knew was there. It was kind of this new group of friends And so I realized it was like, I do want to sing. And this is an opportunity for me to sing. And of course, my parents found out that I had been singing at this camp. So then when I came home, we had this dinner and my grandparents were over and my mom was like, Abby, will you sing something for us? (laughs) And so I went over to the piano and I sang and everyone was like bawling and they pulled out the video camera. And yeah, I don't really have a traditional path of like these people that become singers like when they were a kid you know they're on stage when they're little I was Mm. the person that like we had a lot of church programs and I would always get like the lead role as like one of the little actresses but I would always refuse to sing a solo and I remember just feeling sick about it like fourth grade fifth grade whatever grade I was I remember the teacher would always try and get me to sing solos and so she'd always like put me on the board for like singing this song and I always weasel my way out of it but Today I sing as an adult. Once you realize that, I mean, you had the confidence. You like to be on stage. You like to be in front of people. Once you realize yeah. that you had this talent, was I now want to be a singer for my career the next step? Or was it, ah, maybe I want to be an accountant, but also a singer on the side? It's funny that you asked that because I did grow up with a family of people that had like really great degrees. And I would consider them impressive. My dad's had a great job and my mom stayed home with us, but she's also worked my older sister actually followed in their footsteps and became an accountant and she's a good one, you know, 4.0 rock star. And so I'm a senior in high school and I get up in front of the church senior week, like in May with all the other graduating seniors. And they are asking us like what we're going to major in and keep in mind because I had served at this Bible camp. I did for three summers. I was really already feeling really compelled into a life of music and ministry. But at the same time, I was also the kid that was taking like every AP class and I felt like I was smart. And so I felt like the world could kind of be my oyster. I could decide maybe some sort of career path. And at the time, honestly, I think I cared a little bit too much about maybe trying to prove something or, or do something that was impressive. Of course, Mm -hmm. music can be like impressive, but I remember standing up there in front of everyone at my church and saying, my name is Abby and I'm going to university of North Dakota and I'm going to major in accounting. <laughs> and my parents kind of looked at each other cause they knew I wasn't really wanting to do that. <laughs> what, is, what is she doing? It was just, I don't know. It was something, but then my freshman year of college, I actually decided 
I was, I was also really into dance, really into fitness. So I was going to be a pre-physical therapy major. And so I took a lot of those serious like science classes my freshman year, but I also came at the school as like a, a music major scholarship. So I was taking music classes. I was basically like being a music major, but also keeping my options open, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then I met my first boyfriend who became my husband. And that entire year, I was very inspired by the way that he unapologetically chased his dreams and knew exactly what he wanted to do and mm-hmm. that he was going to do that. And over the course of that relationship that year and just realizing, like, what am I doing? Trying to pursue a degree that will take me maybe six, seven years to get for something that I really don't want to do. So I'll never forget by the end of my freshman year of college, it was my birthday and I'm, and my parents are very supportive, but there was even a piece of me that was like, would they be disappointed if I majored in music? I don't really know. And so I really decided I was going to stick with the degree that I chose, which was music education. Mm. And I told everyone and everyone was so excited for me. And I figured that would be a good fit for what I wanted to do, which is thank God what I'm doing today. So do you also songwrite or do you just, okay, so you're the singer songwriter. Uh, when did you realize that you had a knack for word craftsmanship? My mom will say it was when I was 18 months old and I started talking <laughs> and I never stopped. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but true. Yeah. But, um, I, so I was into acting and so my dad, this is embarrassing. My dad would write poems for me and Aww. I would perform them for like comedic poems and I would perform them for our family events and we have a really big family. So like before I sang, that was like everyone else would sing at these events and I would do like monologues pretending to be like the queen of England or like different accents and stuff. And I realized that like writing is fun and I like to make people laugh. So I would say that's probably my first experience with writing. But then when I went away to camp, I you know, what's funny. My sister was a singer and a writer. And if I'm being totally honest, I think everything that I've done was kind of following in that older sister's footsteps. Hmm. So she was a singer and then she became a writer. And we actually had a cousin that's older than us. And she did the same thing. So it's kind of this like hierarchy of like this girl followed this girl. I liked to write. I didn't know if I was a good writer. And then my senior year of high school, I wrote this song that felt very inspired and was like, I think this is a good song. And I showed it to my dad and he just like totally freaked out. Like he thought it was really good. And I guess from then on, I just took my dad's word for it. And to me, that is the power of like a parent's encouragement. You meet your, your boyfriend now husband, and he, he has a different career path in the sense that, you know, a goal to be uh, a hockey player, NHLer, which involves a lot of travel. You don't necessarily know where you're going to be. So if you guys have this, this relationship, you're now married, um, is it you focusing on his career, you focusing on your career? How do you balance the life of him being gone or you don't know where you're going to end up to where you are now? It's been such a journey. I will say, I think when we started dating, I was 18, he was 19 and we spent two years together at university of North Dakota. I knew he was going to play professionally, but I didn't really understand how any of that worked. Granted, I grew up in like a really hockey loving community and I did love watching hockey, but really all that I knew about was like D1 college hockey type world. Right. And so I remember meeting his parents and them telling me about like the U S national program he'd played for. And when he was 12, he had like moved from Michigan for hockey. And so it was kind of this like big deal, but I didn't 
really know. Like I knew he was a good player, but I just didn't fully know. Mm-hmm. And we have been together. Almost, we met like 10 years ago and we were friends for a couple months and then started dating. And it's funny because I think I just had no idea what I was getting into, I guess. Sure. And we, we dated for two years in college and then we were long distance for two years when he went pro, he finished his degree online and we would go four or five months without seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, because I had never had a boyfriend before, I had always kind of gone to the beat of my own drum, always just enjoyed having my own hobbies, having my own mm-hmm. friends, my own life. And I actually think that that's probably the number one thing that served me well is the spirit of independence. I feel like it's something that my mom definitely modeled for me and that my dad encouraged me with too. Is that just in like in a relationship that you have your own sense of identity and self. So let's fast forward. We got married in 2016. I graduated college the month before that. And I was 22 years old. And it's funny because at the time I felt like I was so ready to be married. And I was because I knew I was positive. I was making the right choice based on his integrity and compatibility and all sorts of other things. Um, but we've moved so many times since then. Mm. And there have been some moments that have gone as expected and then others that have been really surprising and unexpected. And it's, I mean, it's, it's been the highest highs and the lowest lows of my life for sure. So to answer your question about how does that affect me and what does our dynamic look like? I have year after year, I think just developed this skill set that is unique and very necessary for what I do, which is that I've had to realize that instead of waiting for life to settle down or waiting to be really established somewhere or waiting to have the perfect community or the perfect opportunities, the perfect friend group or whatever it may be, I have had to change my expectations and realize that I do not need all of those things in place in order to find enjoyment in life, in order to pursue what I'm passionate about. Um, it's, it's crazy, really. I can't explain how crazy the life of a sports wife can be sometimes. And there's, there's obviously so many wonderful things to it. I love watching Rocco play. It's like one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life, but um, just the experience of how it, it can affect your family. That's been definitely one of the craziest things I've experienced. It's interesting too, though, because you talk about the hardest part sometimes is being in the midst of the waiting, being somewhere or going somewhere is always easy. You look at a lot of artists and, you know, there a lot of careers have started, as you had said, you know, they started playing at church when they were nine and they did this and this is their musical career. Is your husband being traded to or signing in Nashville, being a part of Nashville in the waiting? Is that almost a blessing because now you're in the music capital of the world, if you will? Yeah, definitely was. So he signed with Nashville in 2018. And it provided me with four years of getting to work on my career. And, you know, it's surprising though. The most frustrating part was that I actually didn't have a lot of local connections in place for Mm. at least the first two, two and a half years. So it's really only been, I would say beginning of 2020, right before COVID hit was when I connected with the producer I've been working with and I started getting a web of people going. Um, I think the funny thing about being in any sort of entertainment industry really any industry in general, is that so much of life is networking. Um, but that being said, you want it to be genuine networking and mm. like as organic as possible. Um, just because I feel like it's just easier to work with people when it's like a natural, like there's no like agenda behind it, if that makes sense. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just been great to see 
how God has put the right friends in my life. And it's interesting, like with music, especially as an independent artist, I feel like you always want more, whether that be like more fans or more connections or more opportunities. And I think just from experience, knowing a wide range of people in entertainment, some are with major labels, some have just moved here, some are living far away, but just doing what they can. And I feel like you always want more. But the truth is that whatever we have right now, I hope that we could foster that. And that's actually something that I feel like I've learned a lot with hockey too, because I've lived in hotels for extended periods of time. I've had nothing in my life look like what I totally thought it was going to look like. And all that to say, maybe two years ago, it really occurred to me that, you know what? Things don't look exactly as I expected, but I have enough. God has given me what he has given me. And if I needed more, he would have given me more. Maybe it means I have to rely on him more. Maybe it means that I feel a little bit of discontent. But at the same time, thank God for that. Because I feel like if we just had this easy path where we had everything we wanted and it all went according to plan, I don't think that I would have become the person that I've become today. And I don't think that I would have written the songs that I have because I would have lacked the struggle and the refinement that's come from everything I've experienced. That's good. There's a show. I don't know if it ran in the States. It was called Hockey Wives. So oh, yeah. My friend was on that. I used to watch it religiously because growing up in Edmonton, it just felt like for a lot of people, that would have been the goal. It's like, marry a hockey player. And that was like the thing to do. Um, but watching that show and just seeing how the lives of these women were, like, there's a lot of incredible things, but moving from city to city, not knowing if your husband's going to get picked up by a team or another mm. team and what does that mean and do you have to move in 24 hours and a lot of uncertainty in that that realm. Um, for you, have you learned some very important skills when it comes to dealing with uncertainty? Because I feel like after two years in COVID, a lot of people um, really struggling with, oh, we just don't know what's going to happen next. That's what I thought was funny, actually, was that by the time COVID hit, you could visibly tell that people were freaking out. And I think very fairly so. Like mm. very, very fairly so. And what I realized is that I'd been practicing for four years. <laughs> so for me, it was like not even a big deal. Like it, it was in some ways, but yeah, it's true. I think the greatest thing that I've learned, I didn't always want to learn this. I feel like this sometimes came as a consolation prize type of feeling, but mm -hmm. like, having to accept things in your life, not going exactly as you want. And I understand that like, that's not even possible for most people, but like when you have a really good childhood and really nice parents and just a really predictable type of life, going into a world where you lack all of that, it can be a really tough pill to swallow. And I think that you have to come to a place where you accept what is happening. You may not enjoy always the different twists and turns, but if you're not willing to like shift your expectation and I would really hope enjoy the good things that you have, I think that's really a shame because honestly, I think that you would just really lack joy in life, if that makes sense. And I think the past several years in particular, especially with what I've had going on with music, it still doesn't look like, you know, as big as I thought it would be, hmm. but like, I love music and I love singing and writing and sharing it, performing with people. And so whatever opportunity I get to do with that, I'm going to do it and I'm going to love it and be grateful for it. I'm not going to think too much about the details or the specific want or the wish list. Instead, I'm just going to enjoy what I have because if we spend our entire lives not enjoying what we have, 
you know, what fun is that? Holly and I have had this conversation a thousand times. We've talked to a thousand <laughs> different artists and th- there's to the point where you're a Christian who does music or you do Christian music. Why did you decide to go the Christian music route rather than just be a Christian who does music? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. It's something that a lot of us have definitely thought through. I feel like for me, I always have been a musician and a Christian. Like I've, I've always been both, I guess. Like when I was young, being a Christian for me was like, I always knew God was with me. Even when I was a first grader, I remember trying to like evangelize kids at school and I would like ask my teachers. I always wanted to know if my teacher was a Christian, like mm-hmm. they, you know, said they were a Christian. I'll never forget. I like asked my teacher in the lunch line one day, like, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. And I remember like as a little kid, just feeling so joyful. Like I understood if yeah. that makes sense. And so it's, I guess one thing I wonder is like, was I a musician or Christian first? Probably both because both were like in my blood. And then with that, it's this question of like, am I a musician that does Christian music or am I someone that does Christian music? Um, and I feel like it's interesting. Both are such heavy pieces of who I am. And I actually have dabbled a little bit in writing non-Christian music. Like I've written these like hypothetical, like country love songs that I would never relate to. And just like kind of as like a writing <laughs> exercise, just try and have fun with it. <laughs> But what I've realized is like, I, my story is unique. We all have a unique story and that is what overflows out of what we write. And I don't even think it would be possible for me to put out music that doesn't have like my Christian story in it. That to say, I do think that Christians can put out music effectively and like, like I've written songs about our marriage and, and different categories that wouldn't like overtly be Christian. And I would love for that to cross over into a market of people that like don't have Christianity in their life yet. They don't have Jesus yet. And hopefully that would kind of build a bridge for them. But when it comes to like really asking myself, like what genre am I? I feel like I would really be lying to myself and running for myself. If I were to say that I do anything other than Christian music. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be a great country artist as well. I mean, all the moving. I'm sure you've lost a few things along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that true. just seems to be the country songs. I lost my it's dog. Called living out of a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got oh. an organized box. Let me tell you. Oh, I can I, only every, imagine. <laughs> every like, I get this itch to move, and so I just like throw out like just all sorts of stuff. Like donate, you know. Like I'll just yeah. go through my closet and like. I don't feel like moving this wherever we're moving next. I have not worn this Mm -hmm. in a while. Someone else could enjoy this. Like here, just take it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just, I just done a lot of donations recently. Cause it was like, I just need to clear out what's in my life. You become a minimalist basically is what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, We move, we move four times in one month. So I get that. We've learned to, to yeah. purge and, and try to live with less. It's tough though when you have little kids cause they have a lot of things. Um, oh yeah. But it's interesting how when you are moving and things are unsettled, you learn to hold uh, certain things with, with open hands. Like, ah, does it really matter what kind of house I'm in? But like, am I healthy? Is my family healthy? The, the priority shift for you after marrying your husband, did you see a noticeable shift in what you held in your hands tightly or loosely? You know, what's funny is that I feel like we were almost the equivalent of teenagers getting married because we were like 22 and 23. Yeah, you were young. So like, 
I just really feel like I just took for granted a lot of things in my life that were stable. And I, I think the most difficult thing about my life situation, and I actually kind of mean this in a double-handed good way, because I think it's for my benefit, probably in a bigger picture, is that I just always have to like go with the flow. And like, if I want to do something or if I want to have friends or if I want to like really do anything in life, I have to make it happen. Hmm. Like I really just, I just have to make it happen. I just have to decide I'm going to do it. Cause no one's going to like, I don't know. I'm never one place long enough to just like have this really like passively well set up life. Like it's not just going to happen for me. I have to like make it happen if that makes sense. So like moving and and holding things closely and all of that, I guess I kind of changed topics, but (laughs) I was, I was just so young when I got married that I feel like I didn't really know how the home life thing was going to affect me. And I did actually realize how awesome it is just to have like a comfy couch that you're familiar with. And um, I guess if anything in my mind has changed in that front, it's that I just appreciate things more than the average person probably does because of my life experiences. I'm sure military people can relate. Mm. And that's, that's what my song home is really about. It's just about how being with Rocco is a constant state. And like, we don't just have a marriage. We have a friendship and we don't just love each other. We like each other. Like there's just, there's so many different layers there to that relationship. And it's really fulfilling and really encouraging. And just like the camaraderie that we have is something I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. And so in times where, you know, the boxes are out and I feel like my life is just really in this transient state of like, what can I hold on to? Oftentimes I feel like there's not a lot that I can hold on to. I know that I have a really wonderful family, really wonderful husband, and also just my love of music. That is another one of those anchors, of course, along with Christ. Like those are the things that I hold on to most dearly. This is the uh, Why Me Project podcast. And I think if someone's listening, they're like, how could she have a Why Me moment? What would that be? As it seems like you had such a beautiful childhood and you're navigating life well. You're at the start of an incredible career doing music to encourage people in their faith. So as you ponder, what are some of those Why Me moments? Yeah. So when I was in college, pageants were a really big part of my life. Not like the modeling type of pageants. It was Miss America system. So it was very like, service speaking talent based and scholarship um, i've seen the show okay okay yeah (laughs) and it's it's the system has changed a lot since i competed but it still had a similar emphasis on that so i competed between the years 2013 and 2015 and it was like i found my sport like i competed very randomly at a local pageant with like my prom dress and I got like the runner up and was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. So then the next year I became Miss Grand Forks, my hometown title holder. And it was like, I wouldn't say it was like my peak, but it was like a real peak year of life. It was a total blast. And, um, I ended up placing second runner up at Miss North Dakota that year. It was so exciting. So I had my eyes set on the prize of going to Miss America. And it wasn't just about the crown. It was like, I really, really had a dream with it that I thought that God could use me in these future ministry dreams that I had to speak to schools and obviously have this dream, Miss America experience, but so much more than that. And so I competed the next year and I did make top five, but I did not get selected as Miss North Dakota. It was like crushing. I think that some people that listen to this will probably think that sounds like a very superfluous thing, but it was really, it consumed my life for years of my life. Like I trained in every aspect, I'd be like falling asleep at night, running through 
like mock interview questions and I'm at the gym every day and training and doing service and, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden these few years of, of work, and it really felt like my whole life had culminated into this. It was over. And I had like 20 relatives that drove like six plus hours to be there. And mm. it was so crushing. And I remember knowing that like I was going to get married the next year. And for me, there had been this dream that like I would use this platform and the experiences that I had um, as this title holder to like move forward with the rest of my life and maybe be a pageant coach or just, you know, continue on with those things that I loved. And the thing that hurt the most with, with like losing was that I knew that God was the ultimate one who was in control. So like if he had wanted to give me this gift as, you know, a daughter of God, that's, you know, hopefully as well as I can committed my love to him, it, it almost like it hurt in a spiritual way because I felt like God was in control and he had allowed my dream to be totally crushed. And the circumstances, they felt very unfair and confusing. Like I really genuinely had felt like I had earned it. And obviously it was not my choice to make as a panel, but it was just really, it was really hard to feel like I did everything I possibly could in an earthly sense, but also spiritually I knew that I had committed to God this dream that I would use it to, you know, shine for him and have the experience. And I mean, looking back the pain of that or whatever you want to call it, it like significantly dims. Um, the first couple of years, it was like really hard. Like anytime I'd see anything pageant, I just felt like sad. It's funny. I guess now what I do is I view it as a stepping stone. That's definitely what it was. It gave me great experiences, but it taught me an important lesson. And it's actually one that I feel like Christian circles don't talk about enough. I think there can sometimes be such an emphasis on like our dreams and how God put them inside of us and how it's like this strange, almost kind of linked to like a prosperity gospel type thing. Like the dreams that people have, I think without even realizing it, they can get muddied into like your Christianity actually becomes this like self-serving thing where like you're convinced that like your ministry dreams and what you want to do is like the end all be all when the truth is, and I don't mean this to like put anyone down, but like we are all obviously unique and obviously like beloved children of God, but we also are just like really not as important as we think we are in the grand scheme of things. Do we matter to God as the utmost importance? Yes. He loves us so much on such an individual level. Like he has allowed me to go through everything I've gone through strictly for the purpose of like refining me to be more like him. That Mm. shows great love. That really shows good parent instinct. He's not just going to let me eat all the junk food. He's going to make me eat the vegetables and the meat. (laughs) He cares. He cares too much about us. So how does this connect to the pageant thing? I don't really know why I didn't get to have the opportunity to go to Miss America to serve as the title holder. That is something I can never get back. And that's obviously like, that's why it was so hard was like, it was truly the death of a dream. In the grand scheme of things, obviously there are bigger dreams I could have or different things that I could pursue. That's true. But still, I think it is something very relatable that we all lose things. It's like that Coldplay song, Fix You. When you lose something you can't replace, that's what really hurts. When you lose something you can't replace. And I've had moments like that with my husband in his career where you've had things that have set you back. And it's like you have these goals in mind and you work towards them and you feel like you earn them. And then certain people can make the choice to go a different direction and it's obviously a professional world. So it's like everyone does their jobs and then whatever happens to you, 
I mean, hopefully you're putting the work, but like, also there's just, there's other factors at play that pageant loss helped me relate more to my husband in times that he experienced things like that. And I guess I just, I wish that people would know that even though we both look like people who have dreams and obviously it's kind of like, you know, full speed ahead, go for it. God is more interested in our holiness than in our dreams. And he would rather we be more like him than get everything we want. And at the end of the day, I think we just need to like humble ourselves a little bit and chill out and realize that even just the fact that we can put our energy into something like dreams rather than being born in a nation where hunger or safety is our biggest concern. Like that really, that really freaks me out. If you think about just like how Jesus was treated and how his disciples were treated, like how Paul was treated and Stephen was treated in the new Testament. Like, I think if we ever get a little bit too muddied with like what our dreams are and our desires, and we think it's like this God dream for us. I think there's nothing wrong with that, but it has to be put into perspective and we have to be a little bit careful with that. You had said earlier that you're the type of person who makes things happen. Uh, you have this musical career, uh, COVID takes, you know, COVID happens and you're like, actually, it's probably a, a pretty good thing for me. What's next for you? I, I mean, what is the next, what is the next month? What is the next six months? What does the next year look like for you? Somebody who makes things happen. I am putting out a single soon, which I'm excited about. So that's like a concrete thing that I know that's going on. Looking back short term, I just played my first festival last month. That was what I was putting all my energy into this summer. And it was really exciting. And it really solidified for me why I do Christian music. Because just getting to stand up there with people that would listen to me as the kid that loved being on stage, I've got this microphone in my hand. And like, it's kind of humbling that people are listening to you and that they're giving you their attention. Like they don't even know me. What have I done to deserve their attention? So all that to say, that show was very inspiring to me. I'm excited to put out this next single and looking forward, I think I will take that festival experience and just the audience interaction that I had because they were so positively receiving me. It almost felt like a baptism moment where it was like, this is kind of like a new life. Like I felt like I'd prepared my whole life for it. It stepped into it and it really just felt so right and God ordained that now looking towards my future, I will hopefully be seeing what I can do to have more of those moments definitely writing. I'm always practicing. That's another big thing with me just coming from a classical background. I was like yeah. a classically trained pianist and violinist and singer. And so I, I know how to practice like putting in the hours and just, yeah, trying to be a doer, despite the fact that I will be moving soon. We're not sure where my husband will sign with another NHL team this fall. And then I will be figuring out how I serve in that role because as a wife, I'm the person that kind of runs the household type of stuff. So for me, it probably looks like moving some stuff. But also with that, I care way too much about music to like ever let that hit the back burner. And obviously there are seasons where you rest or seasons where you put things in hold or, or whatnot. But I waited a long time to finally be in a position where I'm recording and having the connections that I do. So for me now, I feel like it's really, it's really a time to go. And I know that no one's going to do it for me and no one's going to, cause I don't have a manager or anything. So I don't, I don't have someone babysitting me, making sure that I'm doing X, Y, and Z to grow as an artist and whatnot. Um, it's really, it could all just stop if I just decided to stop, but 
I guess I just, I think about the people out there in the world that enjoy Christian music and they know Christ and the people that don't know Christ. And I think there are so many talented people in the city of Nashville and beyond that are putting out music for them. And so I could just quit probably, but I don't believe that that's right because I believe that I have a unique story and a unique message that God has created within me. And it's my job and joy to be putting it out there for the people that need it. Because I know that I've had a lot of artists and a lot of songs impact me and a lot of songs and artists that didn't impact me. And so there's, there's different pockets of people that I believe God has called each of us to reach. So looking forward, I want to reach people. AbbyGrimaldiMusic.com at AbbyGrimaldi23 on the Insta. A mom buying a Subway sandwich perhaps could have sealed the musical deal. <laughs> Abby, we appreciate you taking some time and uh, hanging out with us. I'm glad I can call you guys my new friends now. Thanks for Yay! having me. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. It took roughly a month to get that all figured out because Abby's just been busy and we've been mm-hmm. trying to do things in summer and whatever else. But it was well worth the wait. Oh, it absolutely was. She's such a dear and I'm so excited for uh, her, her music career, her husband. I will be wow. watching very closely once the hockey season kicks off. And uh, we'll see if there's a Grimaldi somewhere popping up. That's kind of nice because it's like you could put a face to a name, if you will. Yeah. And, yeah. and knowing how, how big of hockey fans we are, hopefully uh, Rocco will be able to pop up somewhere. But uh, I would encourage you to uh, seek out some of Abby's new music that she has. And uh, it was just a really, really great time that we had a chance to speak with her. We did. I'm so excited about it. And I can't wait to hear from you. If there's some that stood out to you during our conversation with Abby, please let us know. Uh, you can also catch this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Spotify, Apple, Apple yeah. Edify. So sure. share the links with your friends if you think that they would get some encouragement out of Abby's story. And you can check out facestrongtoday.com. 